What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome back to another episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas, with Jonathan. And Jonathan, we haven't been able to get together in a week, and that's partially my bad, partially just life, you know, sickness is going on. I'm still dealing with it, but it's not quite as bad now. And we have a lot to talk about, not just games. We have some in-season tournament. Before we even get into the Sixers games, let's talk about the in-season tournament, because it's the big what to do here. And... Let's let's talk first about the matchups in the West. Now we've gotten through all the you know group play, so now we have the teams going into it. So in the West we have the Suns at the Lakers and the Pelicans at the Kings. Okay, this is single knockout round now. Okay, we had those two games in the West first. Who do you predict in which each one of those matchups comes out? I'm thinking Lakers Pelicans, uh, and I'm gonna go with the Lakers to come out of the West. So here's my thinking. This okay. would be like totally perfect for LeBron to be like, oh, I won the the uh, in-season tournament. Yeah, of course that's yeah. what he wants. Yeah, that's, that, that, and that's, also that's what I'm thinking too, though. I, I think the Kings beat the Pelicans. I think the Kings... Yeah, and also it's way easier, right? Like he doesn't have to go through months of playoffs of seven-game series. He can just be like, oh, there's three more one one-off games where I can just dominate. Like, I absolutely see this being a thing for LeBron. So that's what I'm going with in the West. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Look, LeBron, group play, the Lakers have were undefeated. Uh, regular season, I mean, we'll talk about how the Sixers did against them, but it's not been pretty for the Lakers for the most part. Look, I have the Lakers beating the Suns, and I also have the Kings beating the Pelicans, but I think the Lakers... N- n- Barely bat- match out the Kings, though. It could go either way, but I, I I agree with you. I think LeBron James tries to win this whole thing. Going to the eastern side of the bracket now, we have Knicks versus Bucks and Celtics versus Pacers. Have the Bucks winning against the Knicks. And in a surprise turn, I have the Pacers beating the the Celtics. What about you? I want Bucks Celtics and potentially like a preview of what the Eastern Conference Finals could be. Obviously, we want the Sixers to be there, but I think there's three teams in the East, so I think that having two of them in this tournament, it would be great to see them kind of go at it in a high-intensity playoff kind of environment early in the season to see what each team has. Um, I actually think Celtics are going to come out of the East, So you want a classic Laker versus Celtics for a championship. That's what you want. Yeah, what better way? What better way to kick off the inaugural season than have the two teams with the most – most NBA championships. That would be exactly what the NBA wants for ratings. I, I mean, yeah, I think that's what the NBA would want. I just, I don't know, man. When the when the Pacers are dialed in, they're pretty hard to beat. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Pacers meet the Lakers and the Lakers win. Okay, that that's what I think. So let's talk about beside. We've already talked about the matchups. Who we think is gonna get there. Let's talk about the way that they decided these tiebreakers because there's only four games that these pl- teams play in these uh, round robin rounds, you know, uh, group play. And one of the things is point differential. Now, this is a big deal because you could hear teams like the Chicago Bulls, who, if I remember correctly, let me just pull this up real quick. You know, tiebreakers are decided by point differential. Chicago Bulls were, it looks, appeared to to have the fourth worst point differential in this round robin t- team. And there were multiple times, like with the Chicago uh, Bulls and Celtics, where head coach Billy Donovan was not happy. So do you think that they should continue with this point differential or try to find a- another way to f- do the tiebreaker? So it depends. Like, I think the way that the 
um, players and coaches came out after saying it was awkward. I totally understand that. So I see that there's that there may be value in getting rid of this. And this is the first year you can work out some kinks that you don't really want to be blowing people out or like doing hack a Drummond when you're up like 20. I, and, and you don't want to have see. your starters in that late in the game where a stupid injury could derail most of your season or all your season. Yeah, I agree with you there. So like that I understand is wrong. But I, I will say as a viewer, you kind of love knowing going to these games that these guys are going to be in until the end. You're going to see the star players play until the end of the game. You're going to get your money's worth. And I think it was super interesting as a fan, though. Like, I get that. And, and it depends what the NBA wants to do. If they want to keep the fans engaged, I thought it was kind of interesting. There was, like, uh, live updates tracking the point differential thing. But I do understand that, like, the players and coaches kind of were uncomfortable with it. Yeah, look, uh, I can understand why people are uncomfortable with it. I'm not opposed to getting rid of it. But it does cause for more drama. And, you know, the NBA is the best soap opera in sports. So oh yeah, I, I, I like that. But. Let's go ahead, Jonathan. How about you take us through the Sixers' uh, first of three games that they paid to play this past week? Yeah, so another quick little plug. I was at this game, the second game I went to, Lakers-Sixers. I was hoping to, well, obviously wanting to see LeBron uh, back in Philly. Who knows how many more times we'll have that opportunity. But the Sixers blew out the Lakers, 138-94. Kelly Oubre was the only person sitting for the Sixers. So let me know, let's see first, what did you think the good was from this game? I mean, look, we blew out the Lakers. That's always a good thing. I mean, look, it's the dynamic duo of Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. Maxey with 31, Joel with 30, 11, and 11. And you know what? I, I, do you remember me saying in the pre, in the, in the off season that if the Sixers want to try to win a championship with Joel Embiid being the best player? Do you remember how I told you how how they should mimic their play as? Do you remember that? Uh, did you like say it was more like passing through Embiid? Passing through Embiid, play like a two-man game that Jokic and Murray have. And Jonathan, yep. tell me if I'm wrong here, but doesn't this look a lot like that? A lot of dribble handoffs, a lot of two-man play. I mean, Joel's not putting the, you know, not really running the pick and roll, but I mean, he's doing everything else. And he's averaging career high in assist. Maxi is scoring like, like an all-NBA guard. I, I think the good is, is that we're beating the teams that we're supposed to beat. Lakers right now have a record of 10 and, uh, at the time of this game had a record of 10 and 8. And uh, look, we, we beat them. It's all that's to it. I mean, and it was nice to see our bench. You know, Marcus Morris finally starting to look like Marcus Morris again. We got to talk about that a little bit more as the, as we talk about more games. But Marcus Morris, 16 points, 20 minutes off the bench, four threes and five attempts. That's the type of bench production the Sixers need. So I'm the good is the bench in Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid. I, I, I don't know if you want to shout out anybody else. No, I'm going to get to a, a surprise maybe for player of the game later. But I will say my good is the three-point shooting. We were almost 50%, which is phenomenal. And the turnovers. We forced 17 turnovers, and we only had five. And beat had three of those, which obviously isn't great. But he had the ball in his hand so much, so it's kind of okay. I mean, truly great taking care of the ball. Uh, as you said, Embiid, like seeing it in person, he went 30-11-11, got a triple-double. He had, I think, like five dribble handoff passes to Tyrese that you were saying. Two were between the legs, which were so cool. One was behind the back. Like, he was just having fun out there, and it was just really cool to watch. And, and you're right, that two-man game kind of did resemble Denver. So just taking care of the ball and, and being efficient from the three-point line was huge. So let me ask you What did you, you think the bad was? Oh, well, yeah. I, 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 Before I answer that, let me just ask you this quick question. Is Tyrese Maxey now the best player that Joel Embiid has ever played with? Um, is it too early? Know, you want to say, is, yeah, you want to say Jimmy Butler for now, maybe? Or I don't know. I mean, Jimmy averaged 18, 6, and 5 when he was here, something around that. Tyrese is averaging 26, what is it, 7 and 4 or something like that? Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, let's give it till the end of the year. Okay, okay, okay. But I think we can safely say he's better than Ben Simmons, and yeah. he's he's looking to be better than James Harden, who we'll talk about later in the podcast, actually. 
Yep. So anyway, the bad here. Uh, you know, Tobias Harris, three of twelve. Uh, Tobias goes through these highs and lows. He had been on a high, and we'll get to talk about the lows because there's another game in this in this group of three that we'll talk about that he did not show up for. So uh, that that I would say certainly that would be a low uh, for me is yeah. Tobias Harris. That's what I was going to say. That's like the only thing you could probably say in this game was a bad because truly everything else was great. But let me get your player of the game. I mean, if you have a 30-point triple-double, it's it's going to be you. It's Joel Embiid. Like, I don't hey, I don't know what else I, I could really say to that. No, I like that. I, I want, like, yes, he was the best player on the court, but I'm going just off the board today for player of the game in this are you game. Gonna pull, are you going to pull Chris? It was Pat Bev. Oh, you in are are, Chris. In arena, Pat Bev was getting the crowd going. The Austin Reeves thing on the sideline was epic when he got, like, into it. Uh, plus 26 in this game. Like, he – and he had 12 points. He knocked down four of eight threes. He's not known to be a shooter, and he went 50% from the behind the three-point line. Six boards, three assists. I mean, just not what you expect from Pat Bev, but you love to see it. And, like – Normally, he's just intense on the defensive end, but to get kind of some production, he, he played the most of everyone on the bench, and he deserved to. So I'm giving a shout-out to Pat Bev. Obviously, I mean, Joel, MVP of the game, but shout-out Pat Bev. Pat Bev, look, I'm going to give him his flowers in about two games. So just let, let's hold off on the Pat Bev love. But you know what? He okay. did have a fantastic game. I'm not going to deny that. He is exactly the type of player that should finish his career in Philly. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say that Pat Bev should finish his career in Philly. There's absolutely no reason for me to say that otherwise. Do you disagree? No, I hope so. I hope so, too. Absolutely. Well, let's go to the next game now. And the Sixers played the Pelicans on the road, and they lost 114 to 124. They were without Kelly Oubre and Joel B because of sickness. They went with Marcus Morris as the starting center again. Which I think me and you both agree that's probably not the best move, especially against a big team like the, the Pelicans, right? They're such yeah. a big team. Like you have Jonas Valanciunas, seven footer. Like he, man, I'll just say this: if if we were playing early two thousands nineties basketball, I think Valanciunas would be an all star because they would uh, be throwing okay. him. The, no, 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 no. I mean, hear me out. They would be throwing him the ball a lot more in the post, and he's a bruiser, man. I love bruisers. And, I mean, in this game, I hang on, let me pull up the stats here. Um, actually, he, yeah, he had 19 points on just nine shots. You know he'd be averaging a lot more in the 90s, early 2000s. So, that being said, let me ask you, what was the good for the Sixers in this game? Honestly, I just liked Rocco's offense. Truly, I thought that was great to see him go 4-4 four, four from three. We've said we don't expect him to be much of an offensive threat at this point, but had the opportunity to – I mean, he only took five shots, and he hit four of them in all of his threes. So good for him on that. Uh, that's probably where I'm saying the good. How about you? I mean, Tyrese did have 33 points on 25 shots. He did have more turnovers than assists, which isn't great, but – I mean, I you know, Tyrese, I guess, uh, like you said, Rocco's really good option. Pat Bev had another good game. 11 points on four shots, seven assists. The Anthony Melton was okay, I guess. Yeah, I'm going to say Tyrese, Rocco, and, you know, I'm going to give Paul Reed a little bit of love. He had uh, nine points, four rebounds, five assists, and Pat Bev. Those, those are my goods. What about the bads for you? What what are the bads here? The, I'm sure there's a lot because I I'll be on, honest, I was not that interested in this game pretty early on. So what was the bad for you here? Yeah, I mean the bad was the turnovers. I just praised it on the previous game. You had 5, now you have 21. Like that's just unacceptable. You're giving up the ball easily. And I also mentioned this in like a different way besides specifically this game. I I wrote an article about it saying that Remember in the summer when every single like th- thing that was being talked about was like, man, we have seven centers on this roster. That's crazy. And it's like, are we really trying to overcompensate for never really having a good backup for Embiid? Well, look now, because we played two games without Embiid and we're 0-2, lost both games by double digits. We were down 21 after three. Like, yeah, we lost by 10, but I mean, the game was over. So well, the fourth quarter I, I, didn't really matter. 
I don't understand why we're starting Marcus Morris at center. That that makes no sense to me. Like you still have, have any, Obama, anyone. You still have Paul Reed. You could call up uh, what's his name, uh, Aldunas uh, from the G League, whatever his name. You know who I'm talking about. Um, yeah. So you have, yeah. So you have enough big men. You're not playing them, and I, yeah, I'm glad that we traded Petrusev. That's fine, but like, yeah, no. The I mean, look. It's becoming clear to me that Tyrese is a really good second star. I mean, granted, this is only two games. I'm trying not to overreact. But if Tyrese can't carry the load for a whole game without Joel, then this is a bigger problem. This is then, yeah, we got to make a bigger trade. But as long as the team's healthy, I I feel good about our chances. Um, Who's your player of the game in this one? Mine's going to be Maxi. I mean, he's the only reason we were kind of in this game. He put up 33 points and. That's, I mean, we needed it from him, but he didn't like shoot particularly great three from 10 from beyond the arc. It's just hard to pick a ton of good from this game, but I just think that, I mean, you had to rely on Maxi. He gave you points. So that's where I'd go. How about you? I'm going to actually take a play out of your book from the last game, and I'm going to go with Roko here. Okay. He was the only guy that really stepped up his offensive game from being uh, almost nothing on offense to actually being productive for Spacer in this game. 12 rebounds, seven, I mean, 12.7 rebounds. That's that's a good game for Rocco. And hitting all four is threes. If he can actually get hot and stay hot, that would be absolutely fantastic for the Sixers. So, yeah, for sure. So, all right, let's yeah. go to the last game. Absolutely. We had the Celtics versus Sixers. And going into the game, it was looking dire because you get on the injury report, you still have Kelly Oubre, obviously. And Bede's announced sick early in the day. They say Maxi close to game time is sick, but wanted to give it a go. After warm-ups, he didn't give it a go. Nick Batum also out. So you got potentially four starters, definitely three starters out this game. Going into Boston, not high expectations, but they end up losing 125-119. They were leading after three. What did you see as the good in this game? So I'll be honest, I did not, I I thought this was going to be a wash and I was just going to watch highlights later. I actually ended up tuning in in the second half. Um, That being said, first off, I am so happy for Patrick Beverly. He needed a game like this. Philly needed a game like this. I know this wasn't a home game, but like seeing a guy who has been known as a dog, you know, a dog in the NBA, you know, like rough rider in the NBA for his whole entire career. And then go off for a game like this: twenty-six points, eight rebounds, seven assists. By the way, led the league, uh, the game, the team in each one of those stat uh, categories, and like almost will the team into a win against the Boston Celtics team. By the way, before I get into anything else good, what do you think of the Jason Tatum ejection? Was it warranted? Yes or no? I don't know. I mean, I just think that ejections have kind of gotten a little bit soft like recently. So I he slapped Broco in the face. He did yeah, slap Broco. Yeah. I don't know. I, I yeah, based on like current standards of like flagrant one, flagrant two, probably by letter of the law should have been ejected. But I'm more lenient in, in kind of today's NBA, so I'd say that I probably would have let him stay. I don't know. What do you think? I. It was above the head, dude. It's it's a flagrant two. Okay. A flagrant two. That's I mean, look. Anyway, I mean, they still. By the way, the Celtics were hampered. You know, they lost Tatum, but they were without Porzingis, too, in this game. That being said, it feels like Al Horford just steps up against us because he had a fantastic game too. What the heck, Al? Why why didn't you do this when yeah. you were in Philly? Anyway, um. Look, you, you talk about – we talked about Roku stepping up last game, but this was even better. He had 18 points, and he hit th- half of his six three-pointers, five assists uh, – no, five rebounds, five steals in a block. I mean – and by the way, we finally got to see a little bit of K.J. Martin. The shooting wasn't great, but defense was there. I like that. Mo Bamba! We had a Mo Bamba sighting, and it was a good one for once. 11 points, yeah, two of yeah. four from the three-point line, six rebounds, one block. I mean, besides Tobias Harris stinking it up for a third straight game where he shot 16 field goals and only had 14 points, I 
I mean, everybody played good, in my opinion. DeAnthony Melton, 21 points. I, You could say, I, I'll just go ahead and say my bad, was Tobias Harrison. Yeah, Tobias Harrison, Corkmaz. That was it. All right, so on my good, I think it's – you mentioned it with Rocco. Five steals. We had 16 steals. That's incredible. They had active hands. They were playing great on the perimeter. Uh yeah, just great defense. Um, even though I mean, let up one twenty-five, but great defense in the in the sense of like being active, getting sixteen steals. I understand the bad being Tobias, and part of me wonders because two of these three games we're talking about didn't have Embiid. I d- really do think that Tobias benefits so much from. I think he does too. In- yeah, so I think that that's got to help. Um, yeah, I, I think they played pretty well. I, I I don't think there's too much bad besides that. I. I mean, I was surprised. Yeah, like you said, that this was even a game. So, I mean, that was exciting. I mean, look, I if I'm Boston, I'm not feeling great about myself. No, you shouldn't be. And I'm guessing you said probably Pat Bev's your player of the game, right? Yeah, yeah, Pat, Pat Bev, obviously. But Roko yeah, gets an honorable mention. Yeah. But, you know, that's just the start of our conversation because there's a lot of juicy things going here with the Sixers right now. And I want to get into it here. Let's first talk about the upcoming schedule. According to Tankathon, the Sixers have the easiest schedule moving forward. Now, did you were you able to pull up the, the link for the Tankathon that I sent you, Jonathan? Yeah. Yeah. So, according to Tankathon, they only the five hardest play, teams that they play moving forward, they play them, and this is the Boston Celtics, Minnesota Timberwolves, Milwaukee Bucks, Orlando Magic, OKC, and Denver – they play them a total of, let's see here, 10. 10 times for the remainder of the season. Where they played the four, five worst teams in the NBA, no, six worst teams in the NBA, grand total of 15. 15 times. So with that being said, and the Sixers, I believe, are currently, let me pull it up here real quick. In the East, hang on, I got, I'm still on the... Uh, in-season tournament thing. Uh, oh, no. In the East right now, the Sixers are fourth. Three games yeah. out of first from Brian Boston. Yeah. So, with that in mind, and by the way, the other teams ahead of them. So, Boston has the 20, 28th easiest schedule. The uh, Bucks have the 12th hardest schedule. And the Orlando Magic have the... 25th easiest schedule with that in mind can we leapfrog i don't i think with boston i don't know if we're going to be able to leapfrog them but can we leapfrog those other two teams to get second yeah so a couple things first off i think i don't i think a month in you kind of know what teams are going to be but like the grizzlies are listed on the worst five and they're gonna have john Morant back so like you need to take that into consideration maybe a month isn't enough to be like oh you have the easiest remaining schedule i think maybe like this would be more appropriate or i like, mean we can revisit with revisit yeah. this in like january february whatever yeah, but i'm just exactly. saying as no, of no, now this as is of now we, yeah yeah so i think that boston having the 28th out of the 30th like we're 30th they have the 28th easiest I think that I really do think Boston's going to finish with the first, um, I, I the think first so. seed. I think that I, look, when Embiid's out, we've seen we lose, we've lost two games. I think that Boston's deep enough where they, yeah, they can have off nights like against us, but I think they're deep enough where if they have a guys sit out, that they'll probably have a better chance to win than we might or Milwaukee with their superstars. So I think Boston will probably get the first seed, but I don't know. We could get two. Who knows what's going to happen with Boston? I mean, I mean, what do you think will land? Well, I mean. Okay, let's look at the – you talk about we lost both team games that Joel sat, but we lost against the Timberwolves, who I believe have the best yeah. record in the West right now. And, by the way, I'm not sleeping on New Orleans. Um, Zion's starting to look back into form. They're finally getting healthy. CJ's back now. That He was back when he, his first game back was against us. Uh, I Look, let's – I need a larger sample size before I worry about us without Embiid, but – Boston has so much top-end talent that they can survive one or two injuries. I mean, they got Al Horford as their backup center, who, granted, is very old, but still pretty darn effective as a as a big man in today's NBA. He's like, I'm trying, kind of like, is he kind of like Sam Perkins? Sam Perkins mm-hmm. had a really long career, right? Or Robert Parrish. No, Robert so. Parrish. 
Robert Perkins. Oh, Boston, okay. Well, I mean, yeah, Sam Perkins was also in Boston. They were both Boston players. Yeah. But, yeah, like, well, very effective for a long time. Not at their peak, but still very effective. So, I just, I think that when it comes down to it, I'm, I think we'll be able to, pa- I, I don't know how sustainable Orlando's success is. But I think Milwaukee still is going to struggle a lot. I think Milwaukee's going to struggle a lot. I I think they need to make a trade. And I don't know if they have the ammo to do it because I don't think they they need another perimeter defender. Because Chris Middleton's not what he's used to be and Malik Beasley's not a defender. And they're not going to put Pat Connaughton in the starting five. So they need to find a defender. Maybe they can get one off of Portland. Maybe Matisse Thibel. I don't know, but they, they need to get somebody. And we'll we'll see what happens there. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Yeah. So, All right. Well, let's go back to some uh, former Sixers. We talked a little bit about these guys a couple weeks ago, but worth doing it again for a few updates. So Ben Simmons just recently got an epidural to aid with his back recovery that's been keeping him sidelined. So do you think that he's kind of cooked for good? Is Is this the end for him? The start, at least, start of the end. I, I'm i not sure if he's cooked for good. I kind of want to see how, if he, if he has another setback, then yes, I think he's cooked. Um, clearly, he's never going to be the same offensive player he is. The confidence is gone. He was averaging a career low six point whatever points per game this season. But he, his, you know, his defense looked pretty darn good and his playmaking and rebounding were on par to where he was. Like I said, I don't know if he'll ever get the offensive back, and I don't know if they need him to because they have Cam Thomas, who should be coming back from injury anytime now. By the way, Cam Thomas, still a potential, you know, most improved player of the year candidate, even though Tyrese probably has the upper hand right now. And then they have Mikael Bridges. Like, Ben... Ben might be relegated to a backup center role moving forward. And I don't know if he can do it. Honestly, we might be talking about him in the NBL in a few years. We'll see. Yeah, I look, I don't want I, I want to be nice to Ben Simmons. I, I, I do too. I feel bad for him me. because now it's a back injury. It's not even like I mean, mental stuff aside. Like back injuries are hard to come back from. Yeah, no, I just think that I've been hard in the past, and I'm thinking, you know what? He should just – I've said it before. He's made a ton of money. It doesn't really seem like he needs basketball in his life, so I would just – I'd be cool if uh, he was out of – not out of the league, but I'd be cool if he just kind of took his money and retired. So we will see, like you said. But that takes us to Harden, who is now averaging 15.7 points, 4.4 rebounds, 6.4 assists, and 2.1 turnovers – Shooting 46% from the field, 40% from the three-point line. The Clippers are now 6-8 and eight with Harden in the lineup, which is much better than 0-5, how they started. So do you think this is going to work? No, and it's not necessarily because of Harden. I think you can work with him in the starting five. That's not the issue here. The issue is their depth now. You you lost. They lost three big wings to get him. Three big wings. And they haven't done anything to replace, like, nothing substantial to replace that. Like, you put Westbrook on the bench, which, eh, maybe, maybe it doesn't, maybe it does work, maybe it doesn't work. I mean, he's he's wanting to try. I, if I was the Clippers, I would never do this trade. I'm glad that they did for the Sixers, Sixer fan in me, but, like, they should have never done this trade. Not saying that it can't I, work out, but it's not going to work out this season. Let's be clear. Yeah. It's not. I've, I've thought that this wouldn't work for a while, and I'm glad we got rid of them, and I don't know this experience is going to work. And one of the interesting things is they're saying, right, the Clippers are building a new arena. So you're building a new arena, and you may have Paul George and Kawhi have the option to leave. You might be starting and completely James. over. And James. Yeah. And Westbrook. Yes, you could be starting completely over. So, I mean – who knows? I, I expect it to not go well, but I guess we're going to see. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely see. All right, so do you think that Harden's still a top 100 player? Are you going to hate me if I say no? 
no, I'm going to agree with you if you say no. Which is crazy because you remember when I did the preseason rankings. I think I had them ranked like 46, 47. I can't remember the exact number, but in the high 40s, right? And Maxi was in the low 40s. Yeah. I couldn't have been more wrong. Maxi right now is playing like a top 20, 20 player. And James, I would put him on par with like, well, I don't know if Tobias Harris is a top 20 player in the NBA anymore, but certainly, I mean, top 100 player in the NBA anymore. But who's better, Tobias Harris or James Harden at this point? Tobias Harris. That's a tough call. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not ready to say Tobias for certain because of this last three game skid for him. But look, James is not. He He's out of his prime. Let's be clear. He's out of his prime. He should have taken whatever the Sixers were going to offer him, which I still think if I'm the Sixers and I'm trying to keep him, I'd probably offer him, you know, 20 to 30 million, right? If I, if you're the Sixers, you know, whatever he did last season, like you, you would still offer him between 20 and 30 million a year, right? I, I guess if you, I mean, you got to gotta keep him, right? Yeah, yeah, you want to keep him, right? So you offer him that. I don't even know if he gets 20 million next year. Especially with the salary caps. He should not. Like, look, I mean, he's still efficient. Let's be clear. He's shooting very efficiently. 46% from the field, 40% from the three-point line. But he's clearly lost another step. He can't dominate a game anymore. Not not consistently. I think he's had one dominant game so far with the Clippers, right? When he had like 26 points against the team. I forget who it was, but it doesn't matter, right? So... If I'm James, I really screwed the pooch. He should have taken he he had a, a chance for an extension with the Houston Rockets and the Nets, and he turned them both down. Now the Rockets, okay, I can understand that one, but the Nets one, that is where he really screwed the pooch, because he could have still asked for a trade after signing that extension. Now he doesn't have that opportunity. This is really starting to feel like Allen Iverson all over again, isn't it? Uh, I told you before, I don't, I don't necessarily think the comparison is completely there just because I think the situation around Allen Iverson, like, I don't know. I just think it's a little bit different, and I think AI's fall was in different circumstances, I guess. But, I, like, I understand the comparison. I don't think he's a top 100 player. I think that what it was like 43 and 44, right? ESPN rankings. So like yeah. 42 and 43, I, I think that clearly that's a lot. That's not true anymore. Well, well hang on, hang pre-season. on, Jonathan. Forget ESPN rankings. My rankings are better. Okay, forget ESPN. My rankings are. No, yeah. I'm joking. But no, in all seriousness, no, I don't, I don't feel as of this moment that James Harden is a top 100 player. And I'm pretty sure as soon as this comes out, we're going to get a message from Chris, and he's going to be scolding us. Do you think that's going to happen? No. I, well, it shouldn't. He should realize that it's clear that Harden has not played up to that level. Maybe we give him a bit more time, get accustomed, like, accum- accustomed I mean, he's, to— they played, what, 15 games? 14 games right now, right? 14, yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of ESPN guys, uh, I was listening to J.J. Reddick's podcast, and they were like, give it 20 games. So we got about yeah. six more games, but it, it feels like, I mean, after that five game skid, it, they, they've gone, uh, what is it? Six and uh, three since then, which isn't bad, but uh, yeah, no. no, not good either. It also could depend on who they're playing. I mean, we don't yeah. have the schedule up in front of them, but yeah, it's, I, I don't think it's going to work with the Clippers. Oh, so. I actually do have the schedule up in front of me. I'll tell you who they played. So the five-game skid, they lost to uh, – I'll tell you each team that they've played since James has gotten played with the team. They played against the Knicks, the Nets, the Mavericks. They lost to the Memphis Grizzlies in Denver. That was that five-game losing streak. Then they had a three-game winning streak where they played against Houston and San Antonio twice. And then they've yeah, gone. That's weak. That's weak. Two of uh, they've gone two and three the last five games, where they've lost to the Pelicans, won against the Mavericks, lost to Denver, won against the uh, the Kings, who were coming off a back to get back against uh, uh, against the uh, Golden State Warriors, where they won that play in tournament thing. 
and they lost to the Warriors. So you tell yeah. me. I, I think the schedule was was easier. So yeah. maybe we just yeah we need some more time. So if Chris really does want to chirp, oh, I think we should just yeah. let, and then let they it play played, out. Oh my bad. They played uh, Golden State again and they won that one. So yeah. All right. Anyway, point being here. And I mentioned AI because I wanted to use that as a segue as well, because recently Hoops Hype came out with a list of the top 20 players, six foot or below. And I find this somewhat disrespectful. They have Allen Iverson second. Now, do you want to guess? Do do, do you want to know who they have first? I saw what you said. You should let them know. They have Chris Paul, number one. Now, don't get me wrong. The point guard is an Hall of Famer. Top 75 player, just like AI. However, Chris Paul does not have an MVP. He got he got to the NBA Finals not as the best player on that on that Suns team. AI was the best player. And outside of us, I, I I just look, I don't know what else I need to say. Allen Iverson's a better player than Chris Paul. Yeah, I mean, I'm I look, we don't want to be seen as biased because we're a Sixers podcast, but it's not even close. Like, AI Chris is Paul's the greatest great. player. Six- he's great. Yes, no, he's great. That's what I'm saying. I still don't think it's close. AI is the greatest player, six foot and under, and he's been called by LeBron James, and I know LeBron for a fact, and a number of other players as potentially the greatest pound for pound player in the NBA because he was like six foot, 185, soaking was wet. Was he really and six foot, here. though? Was he really six no, foot? No, he, he probably wasn't. Less- and he wasn't 185. Like, he's out here playing super undersized, and he was an MVP in the league. Like, a, a true MVP. And like you said, best player on potentially the worst team to ever go to an NBA Finals. Uh, and having the potential greatest of all time, say you're the best pound-for-pound player, I just think that speaks to volumes. No slight or disrespect to Chris Paul. He's been phenomenal with what he's done. With being six foot also, his court vision, the assist, are just – Incredible. He'd probably have an NBA championship if he was able – the trade wasn't blocked for him to go to L.A., but I'm just – I just don't think that it's uh, – I just don't think it's fair to say that AI is number two. Maybe yeah. it's – I don't know. That article – I was going to say maybe it's recency bias, but the article has a ton of older players in there. So it's not. It's just – I just uh, – maybe people forget how good AI was. I mean they got Tim Hardaway number three. Um, not even sure if I agree with that, but – yeah, you know, not not taking it. Kyle Lowry four, like um, like I don't know, I don't know. Mark Price five. Yeah, they got Kemba no, six. Real. I don't know. We'll see. Gotta, gotta maybe read. we should write that list. We should write that list and change it up. Series edition of that list. I think that would be yeah. Cool. All right, anyway. let's go to the last topic. We always end with around the NBA. It's it's been fun to talk about things going on outside Philly when there's definitely more going on in the NBA. So. Why don't you go first? What are the uh, top of mind for you, other teams besides the Sixers? I think we got to talk about the Golden State Warriors here. Currently, they are okay. 11th in the West. They are 9-11. Draymond just got back. But they are struggling. Chris Paul's yeah. now out with an injury. This does not fe- This feels like the end of the dynasty. It does. And I hate to say that because... Steph's still in his prime, but this current iteration of the prime dynasty is done. And it feels like this is the setup for Clay Thompson to leave. And if I'm the Sixers, I'm calling about Clay. He's been playing like garbage. He's, I think he'll get better as the season goes on, but I still think he'll look. If he can get back to at least 90% of what he was even last season. And can still be a good three-point shooter. You can't deny the fit with him and Tyrese Maxey. With Tyrese Maxey oh, and no. jo- Joel Embiid. I like the fit. Yeah. But, look, I, I think I think the Warriors, they might get in the play-in. It depends what happens with Houston. But, uh, look, they're going to be fighting Houston and maybe even Memphis if Memphis can get their stuff together after Jaw gets back. But, I mean, I think Memphis will be in too much of a hole, to be honest with you. I think Dylan Brooks is more missed there than anybody could have guessed. That that being said, that that's that's the Western Conference. I mean, 
I know you're going to talk about OKC, so I'm going to leave OKC to you. Uh, I wasn't. Up. I wasn't. You wow. can go for it. I mean, look, Chet Holgrim. I think I'm going to have to agree with you and Chris now. He's the rookie of the year. So far, yeah. Yeah, so far he's the rookie of the year. He's He still needs to add muscle. Let's be clear. But if he's already doing this in his quote unquote first season, but really second season, he's he's gonna be he's gonna be an all-star pretty soon as like the third third second or third option on that team. And by the way, the Thunder have been missing uh Jay Williams, Jalen Williams, the wing Jalen Williams in their starting five for a couple games. I think he's finally back. But uh yeah, no. Uh Thunder are team to watch. I finally like I'm glad uh, Sacramento's now at fourth. I like what they're finally they're finally getting back healthy and they're looking good. Uh, in the East, can I just like be in awe about the Orlando Magic? Can I just be like yeah. star? I'm like seriously, Orlando, like they're gonna be my obsession this season because like they don't have like Franz Wagner. By the way, I think I saw a stat recently where he's averaging like oh like around like 28 points per game in the last like five games. I, if that's sustainable, look, he's going to be an all-star this year. Paolo has been playing great. They're missing their starting point guard and Markel. I mean, like Anthony black hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been good. Jalen Suggs. I am on the Jalen Suggs fan uh, bandwagon now. Cause he has been really just showing out and dominating as a result. And I, I especially good. on the defense line, did you see that dunk, that alley-oop dunk that yes. he did with, with uh, was it was it uh, Anthony Black, right? I thought it was it, Cole Anthony. I don't think Cole Anthony. I don't know, Anthony but yeah, they, re- they recreated the LeBron um, D-Wade one. Yeah, right? Yeah, it was sick. Great photo. Fantastic. Love it. So, you know, I'm on the bandwagon here for for this i'm i'm all for it look so let's 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 keep on writing it let's see let's see what happens okay so look that's that's all i really wanted to say i don't have too much to say because the but those are the teams oh in chicago this is the other thing i wanted to mention and i sent it to you in our, our private chat they cannot find a trade partner for zach levine right now this is great, yeah, because this is going to be part of mine. Great transition, pass it on over. I mean, I, I think that's – we mentioned it a couple weeks ago or a couple podcasts ago saying the Heat were not interested should other teams not be interested. And, like, the Heat were the only team – not it wasn't, like, public, but, like, reportedly not interested. Um, and now it sounds like no one's interested, which is shocking. And you, I, my first thought is, like, it's got to be the contract, right? Like, it has to be about the contract. But could it be about something else? Sure. Who knows? But uh, for now, I, I'm assuming it's the contract that no one wants to take that on. It's having like $170 million left. Yeah, look, it's not just – it's his attitude. It's the play. They played – they won against a team that they should have won against recently without him playing. Zach Levine has lost his teammates' respect, in my opinion, based off of what I've been yeah. hearing and what I've been seeing, based off his lack of effort. And I don't think any NBA team wants to trade for a player like that with that many years and that no. much money left on his contract. Not saying that he can't replicate, return to that 27 points per game type guy. But right now, if, if like the Sixers, they don't want a guy that's a negative on defense and possible a negative in the locker room. Like, what does he, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski uh, said this, does he contribute to winning? I think the answer to that right now is no. That is the answer. So, yeah, so I mean, like maybe maybe you could trade happened. him for an expiring. Uh, you know, I heard somebody talk about like Charlotte trading uh, could trade for him, uh, get you know trade uh, Gordon Hayward. That could be an interesting one. Maybe get the expiring, maybe a first out of that. You know, young player, but like him and Lamelo Ball, is that going to get Charlotte winning anymore? No, no, no. So yeah, no. If I. <laughs> Chicago probably should have traded him last year when his value was still higher. This is this yeah, feels like a Bradley Beal situation again. Yeah, they love just being in this middling area. So, yeah, that's definitely what I was going to talk about with the Bulls. 
The other two, a couple things. Um, we're about a quarter of the way through the season. Boston and Denver are the two teams that have not lost at home. I definitely find that interesting. The Sixers could have taken a victory from them or taken their first, given those Celtics the first loss at home shorthanded. That would have been incredible. Um, I mean, I've talked about it before. I think Denver's is a true home court advantage. I don't know how much Boston is, but if those teams are rolling like this at home and they get a top seed, it's, it's going to be tough to beat them in the playoffs. So you can see. I, I was wondering if Orlando's real. They do have the best record in the last 10. They're 9-1. and one. We do see a lot of growth on their team. I just don't think – like the NBA is a, a league where I think that you have to like have heartbreak in the playoffs and have experience. I just don't – like I, I would love to be proven wrong, but I just don't think they're going to go far in the playoffs. We will see. It is fun watching them right now for sure. Um, yeah, then the only other two things I think that are like interesting is – Right now, the league is scoring crazy. I mean, that's been going on for a couple of years now. There's four teams that are keeping opponents under 10 points per game. Celtics, as I mentioned, which right now I kind of feel like they're the best team in the NBA. Also, Minnesota Timberwolves. So the top seed in each uh, each conference is holding teams to like 107 and 105 points per game. That's really impressive. But if you go deeper down, the other two teams are the Knicks and the Rockets. The Knicks kind of surprised me. But the Rockets really surprised me. I think Ime Adoka, we should have given him more credit, obviously, for being a defensive-minded coach. They've really bought it, bought in. Dylan Brooks is doing his thing, Shangoon. So that's great. Um, but the last thing that I wanted to ask you, because this is just fascinating. We obviously are familiar with the Sixers that went 10-72, and 72, which was the second-worst record. Truly brutal. Um a record that they had was recently matched, I think. It was the last team to go a full month without winning. The Detroit Pistons just went all of November without winning. So the Pistons are on a 17-game losing streak. They're 2-18, and 18, so they were 2-1. and one. And the Spurs are on a 14-game losing streak. Who is worse right now? Who is worse? That's a tough question. I'm going, <laughs> right? to, say, I'm going to say the Spurs, and here's why. Because while I think that technically Detroit has the worst construction yeah. of their roster and maybe not as uh, as good as top to end talent, the the Spurs are shooting themselves in the foot. Now, do you know why I'm saying that? Is that like a reference to Cowboy Spurs? No, 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 no. It's because they are starting. Jeremy Shohan as their starting point guard. He's a power forward. They're starting him at point guard to see if he can do it, which I don't think he can. I mean, we've had a big enough sample size now. And they are so much better when Trey Jones is on the floor with Victor. Like, just so much better. So it's self-inflicted. And I think they're doing it on purpose. They, I don't think they're going to say that they're tanking, but I think they're tanking on purpose. And I, I mean, hope that it too. doesn't. And I hope it doesn't ruin Jeremy Shohan and Victor Wembanyama. Yeah, and man, I want to go against you and say Detroit. They are two and eighteen. Monty Williams is calling out his team. I mean, he's getting paid so much money, and they are awful. But dude, the Spurs are like they're three and sixteen. They got one more win. Man, they are their uh, diff point differentials minus twelve point four. That's almost four points higher than anyone else, including the Pistons. They're going to letting up 124 points per game, which is like top five or lowest five or worst five, whatever you want to say. They are just not looking spirited in any way. Maybe they are tanking. I, I mean, I, I just didn't see that come with Wembenyama. But honestly, if this keeps up, I think that does factor into rookie of the year. I mean, you see Chet doing it for a team that's potentially competing for a top seed. And you see Victor Wembenyama looking great, but he's on a team that can't get a W. So. I don't know. I was interested in your take. I, I kind of agree it's the Spurs, but man, they, the bottom of each like each conference is rough. Yeah, look, it's 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 pretty ugly. Um, and I'll say this about the Pistons: I think that Monty Williams is there for the money. It doesn't feel like he's coaching them up the proper way because we know how good of a coach Monty Williams is. His team should not be playing this bad. Yet they are. But is it a question of if he's there for the money? They offered him the job. Didn't they offer him the job and he said no? 
and then they yeah. offered him the crazy money and he said yes like yeah. what has changed just someone no. giving you an absurd amount of money i mean nothing except for the fact that if you get if you hired if you accept the job you do it the best you can it doesn't feel like he's doing the best he can yeah i don't know man we're gonna see i mean i was saying i'll i'll admit i was saying i was really hoping monty was going to be the sixers coach when the opening came and, and i'm pleasantly surprised and, and super happy that it was nurse and said i'm not saying this is all monty's fault definitely the situation has probably caused him to to reevaluate if he made the right choice but he at least gets to sit back on that 72 mil and at least have that yeah for sure i just i'm i'm disappointed i guess i don't know who's gonna get a win first i don't even want to look at the schedule who do you think gets a win first you i'm gonna say detroit because at least so like some of their roster makes sense and their starting line lineup kind of makes sense i don't know it doesn't feel like monty likes anybody on that team any of the young players on that team uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, Scott I just, Cade. Yeah. I just, I'm worried about that team, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, we will see. But it sounds like we are wrapping up, so we appreciate, as always, everyone listening. Bit long episode this time. Had a lot to catch up on. We appreciate everyone listening. Continue to go read our work over at the com, And you can listen to us with this podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcasts. We appreciate it, and until next time, go Sixers.